And um, he just, he just over and over, like, you should, you should go check out the Beatitudes. Like, oh, or I would read something. He's like, you know, that concept, that's really talked about thoroughly in the Beatitudes. Or I'd be reading a book, and they'd refer to them, or it'd be in some footnote. I even went so far as to order a devotional on the Sermon on the Mount, specifically on the Beatitudes. I get this sucker from Amazon, and I put it on my shelf, and there it sat for three months. And this particular day, it was March. I'm in my kitchen. I don't know. I was cleaning or something. Talking to Jesus. Clean is the best time to be talking to Jesus. Isn't it right? Washing dishes. That's my favorite. Or on a commute. Anyway, so I was in my house. I was cleaning or something, and the Holy Spirit brings him up again. And I, I noticed this time that I've got an attitude about the Beatitudes. I've, I've got an aversion to why do I keep brushing him off? And the Beatitudes are the opener to Christ's most renowned sermon, the longest recorded sermon of our Lord and Savior that we've got. And I feel like Jesus was just like, girl, you better go read my Beatitudes and check yourself. And so I finally begrudgingly was like, okay, Lord, there's been this invitation for months that I've been ignoring so I'm going to go and I'm going to spend some time. And so off and on throughout this year, I, I started visiting and spending time with the Beatitudes afresh. And what the Holy Spirit showed me is one of the reasons I had this aversion to, didn't want anything to do with the Beatitudes, is because I had working in me, I wasn't even aware of it, I, would, I had seen them, I guess as a child, at a young age. I grew up, I started off in a denomination I wasn't always in Victory Life Church. I got here as soon as I could, but up until 12 years old, you know, I was exposed to different kinds of church and different ways of doing church. And, and I realized I was reading the Beatitudes through a works mentality. When I read the Beatitudes, what I saw Jesus saying is, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I saw him saying, if you will do this, you will get this piece of the kingdom. If you will act this way or behave this way, then you will get this. And that just did not compute with the revelation and what I know now about God's kingdom. That if there, we know this, if there is anything that I have to add to the finished work of the cross, then I nullify, I make null and void the finished work of the cross. If I have to add any behavior or any action to what Christ accomplished on the cross, then I ultimately, I reject the cross because I am approaching the kingdom and partaking of and taking hold of the kingdom based on my works, my actions, my attitudes, and what I can perform and do for the Lord in order to get something from him. That is how I approached reading the Beatitudes, and it drastically changed my interactions with them. So as the Holy Spirit began to open my eyes to, honey, you're reading this all wrong. These are not things that you have to perform in order to get something. I'm inviting you into a way of being that is made possible by my Holy Spirit and only by my Holy Spirit, not by your good behavior, not by your circumstances, not by anything natural. And we'll get into more of that in a moment. But when he took that scale off my eye, another thing that I saw that I was kind of operating in, it was there, it wasn't as prevalent, but I read the Beatitudes as if Jesus was addressing 
a bunch of victims, and like the poor in spirit, the ones who are mourning, the ones who are persecuted. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want nothing to do with that list. <laughs> like, um, where's, the, where's the exciting, the fun list? Well, you got a different list. I'm thinking he's addressing some other people, not me, because I'm not mourning right now. I'm not being persecuted, so I don't really think this applies to me. And I thought, man, he, he's talking to people, and he's victims, that he's patting them on the head, telling them, you're going to be okay, you're going to make it, I'm here with you. And I just didn't want anything to do with that. And I don't think that's what's going on in the Beatitudes either. Jesus doesn't address victims. Not one person in his kingdom does he address or speak to like a victim. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, and that's how he talks to us. He's not patting us on the head saying, just hang in there, you're going to be okay, and you get a reward at the end of this if you'll stick with it. That's not how he speaks to us. He speaks to us like victors. So there had to be something else going on in the Beatitudes that I wasn't seeing before. And I will say in my experience, spending time with them, the most precious part of it for me personally was as the Holy Spirit began to remove these these wrong readings of the Beatitudes, what I saw personally was a fresh picture of Jesus, a fresh picture of the Father that stirred me so to falling in love with him all over again. We need to be able to crack open the word and allow Holy Spirit to minister through that word in such a way that we are ongoing, receiving a fresh, beautiful picture of our King. Being in love is an important part of this Christian walk. Otherwise, we're just going through the motions. We're just doing a lot of stuff. We're reading a lot of word. We're singing and raising our hands when the worship pastor tells us to. If there's not a true being in love being captivated and in awe of the Lord, then we're just wasting our time. I don't want nothing to do with that. (laughs) And that's not what we've been called into. We've been called into a face-to-face communion with the Lord where we can actually burn. We can burn in passionate love for our God. And that is a little bit of what I experienced in looking at the Beatitudes. And that's one of the things I hope you get a little bit of that over these next couple of weeks is a stirring in your heart to burn for the Lord because he's good. In the Beatitudes, he is revealing himself to us in a fresh and a beautiful way. And Christ is saying, this is what I have made available for you to experience. Come on in, the water's fine kind of attitude. And I want that for us, just enjoying who God is, enjoying the beauty of our Father afresh, getting a fresh picture of that. So as we um, prepare tonight to begin to move into the Beatitudes, we're going to start with them more uh, this next week. Tonight, we're going to be laying a foundation. I want to just lay a foundation of how to approach or how to read these Beatitudes over the next couple of weeks, some things that we need to understand and have founded within us about the kingdom. And I think a lot of these things are things we already know. And there's a lot of um, parts of the kingdom we could describe in this list, but these are the three things that I felt like the Father put on my heart that were going to be beneficial to us in reading the Beatitudes. So number one, the first thing, a foundational truth that we need to understand about God's kingdom is God's kingdom is here and it is coming. It has come and it is coming. So 
For example, when I was five years old, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I, I made a confession of faith. I was baptized. Jesus came unto me. He came into my life. The kingdom came into my life when I was five. But how many of you know, like, that does not mean that at five, I experienced all that he's made available to me. The kingdom's coming to me, but it's still coming. For example, three weeks ago, I was sick. Three weeks ago, I had a cold. I had a little cold. And I'm thinking, man, this ain't got nothing to do with the kingdom. A cold is not a part. It's not a kingdom reality. What is a kingdom reality is healing and wholeness, divine health, uh, laying hands on the sick and seeing them recovered. It's knowing that the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, is on the inside of me. That's a kingdom reality. Being able to raise the dead, that's a kingdom reality. And yet, three weeks ago, I had a cold. So what is going on here? The kingdom has come unto me, but the kingdom is still coming. I'm still walking out being discipled. I am still walking out my faith that I believe in divine health. I believe in laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. I believe in not even having to deal with sickness because it was paid for on the cross. By his stripes, we are healed. That is our new uh, condition as new creatures in Christ. And yet, I still struggled with that a few weeks ago. The kingdom is still being worked out in my life. So why is that important in our reading of the Beatitudes? When we're reading the Beatitudes, Jesus is describing a reality that has already been made possible for us. He's already established this reality in our spirit man. Meaning after the spirit, he's saying, I've already made you the poor in in spirit. I've already made you those who mourn. And we'll get into some of those things and unpack them. But he's saying, I've already made you this. Now let's walk it out. Let me disciple you in it. Because we know that in our spirit man, we are perfect. We are exactly like Jesus. Do we know this? Do we know that you are absolutely perfect in your spirit, exactly like Jesus? You are wall-to-wall Holy Spirit in your spirit, man. As he is, so are we. But the process of discipleship is about bringing what has been made available in my spirit that is perfected, bringing that into my soul and into my daily experience where my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions are trained in submitting to the Spirit of God on the inside of me. I train my soul through the renewing of my mind with the Word, through communion with the Lord, through fellowship with other believers. I train my soul to come under submission to my spirit. And this is an ongoing process. This is the process of discipleship. And so when Jesus is describing these things, he's saying, I've already made this possible for you. I've already established this in you, in your spirit. Now I'm going to, by the spirit, you're going to be walking this out. You're going to be discipled in this. Amen? Amen. The number two thing that we have to understand going into um, laying this foundation of what Jesus is describing in the Beatitudes is understanding that the kingdom is supernatural. We know this that the kingdom is supernatural. It's not natural. We've been invited into something that we can only partake of by the Spirit of God. 
There's no other way. I cannot behave my way into a kingdom experience. I cannot modify my behaviors and my schedule into partaking of what Christ has made available. I can't study even my way into partaking of what Christ has made available. I do it in faith and by the Spirit of God. When we are reading the Beatitudes, this is an important uh, concept because I think this is where we get a lot of hang-ups. There is a lot of disagreement, a lot of uh, just division. Even just take the first Beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. If I approach that reading from the lens of Jesus is talking about natural things, then I have a very different reading than if I approach the Beatitudes as if he is speaking of supernatural things. And that's where all this debate comes from. Is Jesus addressing the naturally poor? Is he addressing natural poverty? Or is he addressing something spiritual, a supernatural poverty? I want us to lean toward that he is addressing something supernatural. He's inviting us into a supernatural experience. It's not behavioral. It's not circumstantial. He's not talking about natural poverty. We'll see this again, and our minds might do a little flip, even when we get to the beatitude, blessed are those who mourn. If he's speaking about something supernatural, then there has to be something more than just natural grief being addressed. And we already know natural grief, he is close to the brokenhearted. We just got an in-depth, deep dive into how to uh, steward grief and how to help and come alongside those who are going through grief last week from Pastor Lee. But I would say, I want to propose to you that Jesus is addressing something even more than a natural grief. He's talking about something supernatural that he's inviting us into. And it can only be uh, enjoyed, it can only be laid, held, or held through the Spirit. Not our behaviors, not our actions, not behavior modifications. This is by the Spirit of God. Number three, the kingdom is the expression of God's heart in the earth. Let's hold up, pause. Everybody doing okay? Y'all doing good? Let me see your smiling faces. Mm, that's my version of I love Brother Dwayne. Y'all just, y'all just come smile at me for a minute. <laughs> y'all good? Do I need to slow down? Everybody all right? Okay. Number three, the kingdom is the expression of God's heart. That's what the kingdom is. And this, I think, is where the beauty comes in. When we know that God's kingdom being released in the earth is about his heart, his will, his way of doing things, his desires being released in the earth. And Jesus was the embodiment of the heart of the Father. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. You have experienced God's nature, his personality. You've experienced his heart, his desires, his will and ideas and thoughts. The kingdom being released in the earth in and through us is the restoration of what Adam knew in the garden of walking with God in the cool of the day. The kingdom being made manifest in your life is you walking with God in the cool of the day, experiencing face-to-face relationship with Jesus that refreshes and revives you. And it's what we crave 
We crave face-to-face communion with the Father. And that's why we all have all these different hang-ups that we've had to walk through our whole lives because of this deep craving for God. What's that quote Pastor Jacob always talks about the vacuum, that there's a, there's a hole on the inside of humanity because we long for God and we'll grab anything we can to try to fill that void with other things when truly it's a craving to be restored to that garden where we walk with God in the cool of the day. And that's what the kingdom being released is and that's what Jesus is describing in the Beatitudes. He's inviting us to experience something that we couldn't experience without him, and that is restoration to that garden experience with God. So those are our three, our kind of framework. The kingdom has come, and it is coming. The kingdom is supernatural, not natural, and the kingdom is God's heart. It's the expression of his heart in the earth. So I want us to go now to our text. It's Matthew 5. We're going to be in Matthew 5, verse 3 through 10 over the next couple of weeks. That's our anchor scripture that I invite you, I encourage you to go read it uh, when you get home. Spend some time and let the Lord just speak to you afresh concerning these things. Can anybody relate to the way that I used to read the Beatitudes? Did you ever have a reading like that that was very works? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm not the only one. So... (laughs) So I, I really do think, I, and I had that same attitude when people would mention the Beatitudes. I'm like, I'm not interested. Like, let anything else. Lamentations, Leviticus, anything. <laughs> Give me anything. <laughs> anything but the Beatitudes. But I, I pray that it, this is a fresh and a sweet experience for you, that we, we begin to glean something fresh from them over these next couple of weeks. Matthew 5, verse 3 Jesus opens his most renowned sermon with this single word, blessed. Everybody say blessed. 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 We as a body, we have a working definition of what it means to be blessed. What does blessed mean? Just give me some definitions. Y'all know, what does it mean to be blessed? I heard one. To be happy. I heard highly favored over here. I think that's, that's, all of our, that's all of our definition. We, we greet each other that way. How you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. And that is, in our minds, what blessed means. It means to be happy, fortunate. You know the Amplified Bible. They say, blessed, happy, fortunate is the man. I love to, every time I read it, that's how I read it. Blessed, happy, fortunate. Um, and that is our working definition of what it means to be blessed. And that is absolutely accurate. That is what it means to be blessed. It conveys this idea that the hand of God is on us. The favor of the Lord rests on us. His hand is upon us and we experience his divine favor. That's what blessing means. But that definition actually is just one small facet of what it means to be blessed. So in Matthew 5, we've got a Greek word here that has been taken from a Hebrew concept. And this Greek word conveys the definition that we all know, favored, happy, fortunate. But the Hebrew concept of what it means to be blessed actually means one who endures for the joy set before them. It's one who endures for the joy set before him. And it's actually a really hard Hebrew concept to put into one English word. But that is the weight of it, that it's a person who endures for the joy set before them. And so when Jesus describes in the Beatitudes a blessed 
person. He is talking about a very specific kind of person, a specific kind of kingdom person. This isn't just anybody. This is a blessed person. This is one who endures for the joy set before them. Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12 too, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So when Jesus talks about a blessed person, he himself is the quintessential, the model, the perfect blessed person. So he, in actuality, he is describing himself. Blessed is the one who is poor in spirit. Blessed is the one who mourns. So a, a translation, the uh, Neti or Antoinette translation, if you will, <laughs> if we were going to read, Neti is my nickname, just in case anybody was thrown. If we were going to read that verse, we could read it as formed in Christ are the poor in spirit. That Christ is inviting us into something. I want y'all to get this. This hit me and I just thought it was beautiful. Christ is giving the Sermon on the Mount. He's preaching to all these people something that has not yet been accomplished. You know, the kingdom was at hand because he was there, but he hadn't yet died He hadn't ascended, and the Holy Spirit had not yet been dispensed. But he's describing something, the blessed, the one who's formed in Christ, formed in me. And he's he's giving them invitation into something that has not quite yet been made available. But I feel like at work within this, you have this idea that Christ already knows. It's going to be me enduring for the joy set before me that enables the people listening to me right now to begin to tap into what I'm about to describe. So we as believers, it's not that we have to endure for the joy set before us. It's that we lay hold to the one who is blessed. We lay hold to the one who endured for the joy set before him. And it's because of what he accomplished on our behalf that we now are the blessed. We get to partake of what he did on our behalf. And now everything he describes in the Beatitudes is something we have already laid hold of because we've already laid hold of Christ. Amen. Isn't that awesome? That just, that just gets me excited. Jesus is describing something that hadn't even been accomplished yet. Now we, 2,000 years removed, we get to see what he was talking about. They didn't have a clue. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. I imagine those people listening were like, Lord, I got to behave. I got to do all these works. I got to do all these things. I don't know what he's talking about. People never knew what Jesus was talking about. But we've got the Holy Spirit. And we get to know what Jesus was talking about. What a gift that we're full of the Spirit of God and we get that revelatory communion with the Father where what Jesus released that day on the Sermon on the Mount, we get to partake of. I think that's exciting. So I want us to move into our first beatitude. We're going to look at this one tonight. To be formed in Christ. Formed in Christ are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. A simple way, just to, we're just going to dive right in. I won't belabor the, the point. 
To be poor in spirit is to be utterly dependent upon the Spirit of God, utterly dependent upon the Lord in such a way that everything that I do comes out of a relationship with the Lord. Everything that I do, and this is something we're discipled in. We're not perfect in this. We're being discipled in this. But this is the direction we're moving. We're moving toward the direction of utter dependence. And this is hard for Western Christians (laughs) because we value independence and we value talent and skills. And if we are struggling, then we've got self-care and we've got entertainment and we've got a long list of options. So you start talking about utter dependence and that just kind of sets our brain like, I don't know, I don't know what that is. But that's what we've been invited into. And there's a reason why Christ sets up this message with this beatitude because this unlocks everything that's going on here. It's utter dependence. We put our faith on the cross of Christ, on the blood of Jesus. We receive the Holy Spirit. And now walking in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit looks like teaching our souls utter dependence upon the Spirit, allowing ourselves to be led of the Spirit, teaching ourselves to submit to the Spirit of God. And I'm telling you, one of these things about the beauty of God, seeing God's face makes submission really a lot easier. (laughs) It makes surrender a lot easier. That's why in my mind, worship is such an important part of being discipled. I love worship. Y'all know I like to lead worship. It's my favorite thing. We could worship all day and I'd be happy. That is such a key part of being discipled because Christ accomplishes in moments what years of study cannot accomplish when we sit in his presence because he's teaching us the art of surrender when we engage in worship. And that's so important, this art of surrender, of becoming dependent upon the Lord. This is a concept that Paul understood thoroughly It is all over the New Testament. You open up any one of Paul's letters, this is at work. This idea of being utterly and completely dependent upon Holy Spirit is everywhere in Paul's letters. Philippians 3.8. Let's look there. Philippians 3.8, it says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. So he has just listed off his resume, all the awesome things he's done and how great he is. He's just given this list. And whether, I mean, it depends on how you read it. Some of the things were pretty rough, you know, persecuting Christians. But when he was doing it, he thought he was doing a good thing. So he's just listed off this long resume, but then ends with this. What things were gained to me, what things were impressive, what things I would brag about. These I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. There's an exchange, all of me for all of you. Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish. I'm not mourning what I've let go of. I'm not mourning the things I've surrendered. I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. I think this is awesome. You know, there's this there's this at work within this beatitude that if I am utterly dependent, as I am being discipled and being utterly dependent upon the Spirit, 
then theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's how the phrase ends. That formed in Christ are the utterly dependent upon the Holy Spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So there's this idea, this concept, that this kingdom of heaven that we get to partake of, it's this open heaven. Have you ever heard that phrase, an open heaven, that we live under an open heaven? Meaning everything that Christ has, all of his inheritance, everything that he is, we have full access to. We live under an open heaven. There is nothing our Father withholds from us. He looks on us and he sees the blood of Jesus and he says, whatever you want, you can have. That's why he says, if you ask anything in my name, it shall be done because we live under an open heaven. We receive Christ and then everything becomes accessible to us. But something about the process of discipleship, just to bring this down to earth is, you know, I've got two daughters. I have a five-year-old daughter and I have a one-year-old daughter. And as far as I'm concerned, anything, bless you babies, bless (laughs) y'all. As far as I'm concerned, my daughters can have anything I have. Everything I have is theirs. I mean, they treat it like it's theirs anyway, so have at it. You can have it. Everything I possess is my, pretty much my girls. And when I am no longer on the earth, everything I have will be my daughter's. But I'm not going to give my five-year-old my curling iron today because she don't know how to use a curling iron. <laughs> if she plugs in that curling iron and turns it on and tries to curl her hair, she's going to hurt herself. I will have to train her and grow her up in knowing how to use a curling iron. Everything I possess is available to her, but some of the things in our house are going to have to come with some training, and that is for her safety. It's not because she has to earn the curling iron. She don't have to perform for me to get the curling iron. The curling iron already has her name on it. It is hers. I know she will take it as soon as she knows how to use it. It's already hers. And so it is with the kingdom of God. Everything Christ has already has your name on it. You've got full access to it. But there is this process of being trained up in the things of the kingdom so you don't hurt yourself and you don't hurt somebody else. And that is what discipleship is. And that's why it's okay to become utterly dependent. It's becoming a child again. We grow up and we think that spiritual maturity equates independence, and that's not a kingdom reality. Spiritual maturity is the opposite of independence. It's utter dependence upon the Spirit of God like a baby toward their parent, that I can't do anything in and of myself, and truly believing it. We profess these things and they become Christian cliches that I can't do anything but by the Spirit of God or I'm living by grace. But we need to really believe that, that I am a child of God. I'm just a baby and I want to remain a baby. I want to remain a child completely dependent upon the Lord. And that doesn't mean I thwart responsibility. It doesn't mean I disengage from the call of God on my life. It means in my quiet time with the Father, I'm real. I get down on my knees and I acknowledge to him that I cannot live this day. I can't do my job. I can't raise my kids. I can't be married to my spouse. Lord help him. I can't do any of these things. I can't steward my finances with excellence without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm dependent upon you. 
And that's something that requires training and continual discipleship because uh, we revert we revert over and over to independence. We just revert to my way. I can do this. I got this. Have you seen little babies? Like, I got this. My little one-year-old, she thinks she can do anything. I'm like, girl, you're one year old. You're going to hurt yourself. And that's a lot of our attitude. Like, I got this, God. Thank you. And we're on our way. But that is not kingdom. The most mature, I mean, just take our pa- Pastor Dwayne, for instance. I've asked him this before about how do you do all this stuff? You've got a crazy schedule. And it's as he's gotten older, his schedule's gotten fuller and fuller. You're doing more and more. Like, how in the world? And it's because his dependency upon Holy Spirit has increased. That's real kingdom maturity. His dependency on the Spirit of the Lord to guide him, to help him walk out his schedule, that is what has enabled him to, to keep the schedule that he has and to move at the pace that he moves. We're trying to out here be on this pace, this crazy pace, without grace, and that's the way to get hurt. That's the way to shut down your call real fast, is to try to walk out your call in and of your own strength, with your own agenda and your own timeline. Lord, help us. That timeline thing has really tripped me up over the years. Like, God, I think this only needs to take five years. It's like, no, baby, it needs to take 10 years. (laughs) I need you to slow down. Um, So submitting ourselves, becoming utterly dependent. Another verse I love from Paul is Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. It's not my agenda or my plan or my way anymore. My way died when I received Jesus. It's Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live it by faith in the Son of God. I put my faith on the finished work of Christ. Amen. I want to share just something about y'all, uh, something about myself that I experienced that I was just trying to bring this to real life of what this looks like. And one of the examples that I have endeavored, this has been a personal endeavor of my life, has to do with my, uh, my singing. You know, I have a singing background, uh, if you want to call it a background. <laughs> I've, I've been singing since I was little, but I was extremely shy. I didn't let anybody hear me. If my mom heard me from way down the hall, that was okay. But nobody's going to catch me singing. But I sang all the time. And I would write songs. It was a passion point for me. I loved, I would sit and write songs and musicals. And I would compose music. That's just something that has always been a natural skill set. I understand music. I have an understanding for how music works and harmony. I didn't say I'm great at theory. Theory is a whole nother ball game. We can leave that to Cindy Gross. I'm not about the theory, but I have a, a natural knack for musicality and understanding how music moves and how to move with it. When I started learning the violin when I was in the third grade, I immediately could improv, Im- improvisation, just making up sounds. You tell me what key it is, and I can play. That's a natural skill set. And as I've grown, you know, there was the possibility of maybe I might do this. I might make a career. What began as the way I interacted with the Father, you know, I thought because of this um, product-driven society that we live in, is it's not enough for me to just enjoy this with God. I, I need a product. I've got to do something. I've got to make this do something for me. And so there was always this temptation to want to exploit something that was between me and the Father that was, was precious. And I am not saying that you can't lead worship 
some or, or, or make albums or be in bands. There are individuals who are called to do that. And when they do that in response to the call of God on their life, it brings him glory and it's beautiful. Did you hear me say that? <laughs> but I knew that was not the call on my life. I could choose to exploit a gift that he gave me and run with it with my own agenda, or I could lay it at his feet. When I was in high school, I finally got up the nerve to join our church choir. I joined the choir with Miss Jackie Kelly, who was one of my first choir mamas, and I joined my school choir. And for a couple of years, I didn't sing loud enough for anybody to hear me <laughs> because I was still very shy. But I, I got a private lessons instructor at, um, in my high school, and I was taking these private lessons, and you can't hide from a private lessons instructor. She's got to hear you. And uh, one of the things that I found is she's like, you know, you have a, a true gift in this. I think you might have perfect pitch. And I was like, thinking, that's awesome. What is that? What does that mean? <laughs> and I, I started competing and, um, and winning. When I would go to these competitions, I would get high ratings. Judges were like, man, you, you sing like you've been singing for a long time. You've been trained for a while. And so I'm thinking, oh, Maybe I can do something with this. Maybe I can monetize this or I can create a career path with this. And so in college, I got involved in singing opera. So I'm singing opera now. And it was the same thing with those instructors. Man, you've got a gift for this. I think you might have perfect pitch. You're, you might be a coloratura soprano. Anybody know what a coloratura soprano is? Yeah, girl, I know you do. Um, <laughs> but they sing crazy high. And I'm thinking, man, this whole world has opened up to me. Opera, this could be something. And I'm thinking about the Met, and I'm thinking about Dallas Opera House. I'm like, oh, this could be fun. What an adventure. I love to dress up. I could wear some of those big dresses. Let's run with this, Lord. But I knew that was not anything to do with anything he's called me to do. That's all well and good for somebody who's called to do it, but I wasn't called to do that. And so my life with singing I have walked out submitting that to him over and over and over for two decades, surrendering that skill set because I was not going to let a skill set dictate to me how I was going to live my life. I want to live my life in accordance with the Spirit of God, and that's not what he called me to do. It's fun, and I get to enjoy it, and I know I am called to lead worship, and there's an assignment on my life for that, but I don't need all that comes with that. I just want to be obedient to the Father. And because he has, he's, he's done this work in me, I don't have a whole lot of pride attached to that gift anymore. I crack up here all the time. I mess up my songs. I miss my lyrics. I sing in the wrong key. For me, I'll sing too low, and it's, woo, buddy, it's, it's rough. But, but I, it's not a, it's not a, 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 it doesn't prick me like it used to because I have surrendered that thing to the Father.